Yes, and we're back. Welcome once again. Another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar bringing you another Oscar race checkpoint, as we lovingly call them. And you heard in the intro song, the ORC. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host, also Mike. Yeah, three parts to this episode, Mike. We got the uh, Academy's statement. Uh, They continue to support Black Lives Matter, as does Hollywood at large, uh, which is making us all feel good on the one hand. But there's a lot of work to be done on the other. And we got a lot of stories about reform, a lot of voices that need to be heard at the top of the show here. But we will get into the reopening of movie theaters. That's a big story this week as well. And finally, we got to play a little catch up on the Cannes Film Festival. They made their selections. So it's really like one, two, three today. We got three sets of stories and uh, I'm looking forward to attacking them with them. With yeah, you. getting kind of hamstringed by the Academy schedule too. We uh, we said that we knew we had an ORC coming for you guys this week. There's a, a meeting that was supposed to be happening today by the Academy uh, on yeah. Tuesday as we record this. They're pushing that off till Thursday. We expect there to be some big news in the fallout of that Board of Governors meeting when it does take place Thursday. And if there is that expected big news that drops, you can be certain we'll be on top of that for you all as well. But as for this episode, like Mike said, we're going to start off with the uh, first of these three biggest stories, and it's still about, uh, right now, Hollywood and their continued response to supporting both the Black Lives Matter movement and their commenting on the death of George Floyd. Yeah, it continues to be our lead story, and the Academy made a statement on Sunday, Michael. So this was from the Academy on Sunday. Quote, the death of George Floyd is not acceptable to anyone. We stand in solidarity with our black members, colleagues, storytellers, artists, and with all black people across our nation because we know black lives matter. The Academy adds its voice to the call for justice. We must shine a brighter light on racism and do our part to step up to this moment. So I'm a little frustrated that it took until Sunday for them to you compose think? that statement. <laughs> on the other, I mean, on the other hand, that's been happening in in the business world. It's been happening in our in our sports coverage out there. I mean, the New York Knicks just came out with something today, for Christ's sake. Right. I mean, I don't know what took them so long. I wonder if they were hoping to announce something more, and then they made a few changes to their schedule. But uh, I definitely think, I mean, there's no reason to have waited till Sunday, right? Yeah, I think you're being a little optimistic when it comes to them. I, the way I've read this, and you could even talk about some big organizations that have come out outright and said, you know, Black Lives Matter and we support it earlier than the Academy has. I get the feeling all these major corporations are reading the room. And to everybody's credit, at least that supports Black Lives Matter, there seems to be this giant shift because it was only five years ago, we're talking about Colin Kaepernick taking a knee in silent protest on the NFL sideline, and the NFL basically blackballed him from ever participating again. They because did blackball him. Absolutely. They did, right, exactly. And they weren't ready to have that conversation and address it. They thought they were doing uh, the side of good. 
the popularity and the support for this movement has swung radically just in the last five years, and rightfully so, might I add. So I think a lot of these major organizations might be a little surprised at just how big of a swing in momentum it has taken, even though the notion that you need to have a swing in public perception in order to support a movement like Black, Black Lives Matter is ridiculous. You don't need that. It's the right thing to do, and it should have been all along. But again, I mean, these are giant corporations with a lot of power and money and sway, and they're not exactly the, uh, you know, thought leaders on a lot of these issues anyway yeah i wish i wish they didn't have to read the room i right, wish that exactly. wasn't a caveat like you started off saying there but mike the academy board of governors they did move that scheduled meeting that was supposed to happen today on tuesday they moved it to thursday out of respect for george floyd's funeral uh in uh in, in an article from scott feinberg he wrote that the academy will bring further developments related to diversity and inclusion to the table they will be trying to figure out how how their their plans of action rather and they're they're hoping to land on some things quote in the coming weeks yeah and they can start by having a grand mea culpa tour for some things that they i mean they're with they're aligned with the nfl in taking yeah. a stance against the black lives matter movement and against protests and peaceful protests by the way uh that people within their organization have done much in the way that the nfl turned their nose up essentially at colin kaepernick uh the academy has a history of having done so to Ava duvernay and david oyelowo which uh, also was in feinberg's story as he goes on to say in response to the academy statement Ava DuVernay retweeted a story where David Oyelowo talked about how Selma was treated by Hollywood back in 2014, Michael. Yeah, a quote from Oyelowo in, in that article reads, I remember at the premiere of Selma, us wearing I Can't Breathe t-shirts in protest. Members of the Academy called into the studio and our producers saying, quote, how dare they do that? Why, why are they stirring up shit? And uh, then, quote, we are not going to vote uh, for that film because we do not think it is their place to be doing that. And then uh, Oyelowo continues, it's part of of why that film didn't get everything that people think it should have got and it birthed uh, hashtag Oscars so white. They used their privilege to deny a film on the basis of what they valued in the world. So that's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, and we're talking only literally, what, 2014, six years ago, five years ago now, we're talking about how the Academy not only didn't have its shit together in support of Black Lives Matter, but you hear all these people in these powerful positions who are anti-protest that's saying, well, that should be peaceful. Why aren't they having peaceful protests? Well, here's why. I mean, at least here's an example. This They tried to do this, and they were basically booed out of the room. And we've had plenty of conversations, Mike, here talking about the Academy broadening its horizons and being less racist and and having kind of that stigma attached to it and and i think this is a hard and fast example of why those conversations are still being had when we've had them in 2018 19 and 20 and why the academy does need to grow and be more diverse and be more educated and younger i mean this is if you look at this story from just six years ago with 2020 the year hindsight mm-hmm. it's gross well, it parallels the NFL storyline. Yeah. It, re- it really does. I mean, that, that comparison is, is right on the money, I think. You have ownership that's out of touch, and you have ownership that's not representative of uh, representing of the body, the membership 
that you have there. And it's just, it's really unfortunate, especially after all the activism and after all the, you know, the refreshing pushes for, for equality from the Francis McDormans, the Meryl Streeps, the Oprahs at the last few ceremonies, right? I mean, we've gotten a lot of fire coming out of the last few uh, ceremonies that have made some changes, yeah. that have actually spurred on some reform. And it, it is unfortunate that they've been lagging in terms of the race relations angle of it all. I mean, that's just, it's, it really is sad. It should be a given at right. this stage in the game for an, a, you know an artistic organization, especially there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the George Clooney speech was was on the money back when, and that's why it probably got a lot of flack, even though it was kind of self-aggrandizing that it that's the real reason it got a lot of flack. But I mean, that speech, if the Academy just listened to it, even if they were patting themselves on the back while doing it, they would have been on the right side of this. But they're, again, they're, you know, they're late to the party here, which is absurd. Yeah, I think I echo and underscore what you say. And uh, Scott Feinberg later on in the same article did document how hours later after this it really did take film Twitter by store too. The yeah. Ava DuVernay, David Ayelowo uh, recounting of what happened with Selma and how it was treated by the Academy. Uh, the Academy did respond saying, Ava and David, we hear you. Unacceptable. We're committed to progress. Again, it's nice to see mm-hmm. it's not enough. And also, why is it taking six years later for that mea culpa? Why are you Why are you waiting until you're called out in public like that? Why does it take the victims, in this case, Ava DuVernay with, her, with that film and Selma and David Yellowo who participated in that film, why does it take the actual actors within your organization to drag you across the coals in public for you to put forth an apology? Why aren't you taking that upon yourself? So it's like everything else. Good job for doing it. What the hell took so long? And why is it only now happening? Yeah, the fact that there was a counter campaign against that film of all films, of all absurd. films, I mean, absolutely it, absurd. Nominated for six different things, I believe. Only one original song. It should have been a contender for more Oscars. And you know, I, I'll I'll judge films. I'll, I'll tell you like it is on how I view films. Does does that movie deserve to be best picture in that year? Well, it was a, kind of a wide open year. I'll be honest with you. But I, you know, I don't know if it's a slam dunk best picture. But it's it's right there. It's a top tier mm-hmm. film of that year which is so it's preposterous that people would have angled against it like that that's really sickening you know in hindsight i, I wish we knew that earlier and then you know shame on us for not knowing that earlier but of course uh, ava duvernay continues to do good she just launched the leap initiative michael this stands for law enforcement accountability project and basically what it is is a fund focused on storytelling around police violence and abuse that will commission projects across multiple forms of media so uh, ava duvernay she's already got a bunch of grassroots uh, campaigns on the ground that have been working for years where she has been a steward for young talent, voices that would not have been heard or hired. She has been uh, basically a minor league feeder system in many Mm. ways, hiring people in their first jobs and then making them hot commodities in the industry. It was fascinating to to read a lot of her work over the weekend and see how much she's actually done. I I knew she was, you know, doing doing a lot of good there, but I didn't know the extent to which she she was helping careers like in mass. It's it's unbelievable. She's a mentor at large to, and she's been fighting equality on every front. I mean, on the gender front, on the racial front. I mean, it's, she really is quite an angel and she's somebody that I would just love to, 
I mean, not even interview, but just pick the brain of, because if you ever want to be humbled, yeah, go look at all the good that someone like Ava DuVernay has done throughout her life in the communities that she's been a part of, and just think about the courage and the bravery and the strength it must take to continue to fight these battles. I mean, you and I talk, we get winded talk, reading about this subject, reading about the bullshit that people put on just social media after yeah. a few hours on it, never mind years like she's done. So God bless her. As for the initiative, the LEAP initiative, Law Enforcement Accountability Project. So my understanding of what the ideal for this is, it's going to be her basically shepherding projects that are akin to what Spike Lee put forth already. It's just that's going to lend itself to voices that aren't as prominent as Spike Lee to get eyes on those types of projects. You mean like the short films right. that, that he's that been kind, putting out? Okay. Yeah, that's exactly what I, Is that kind of what you read off this? I'm not exactly sure in which direction it's going, but obviously she wants to, again, cultivate younger voices and voices that don't have as much of a stage to kind of show their pieces on this subject. Well, we'll have to keep track of it for sure, because it's a wonderful initiative uh, starting out here. And uh, it's one of many examples of of some change. We had uh, a big story surrounding Michael B. Jordan this week, Mike. Yeah, so... Michael B. Jordan, following in the footsteps of a John Boyega, following in the footsteps of David Yellowo, he also put himself physically in the middle of the protest, grabbed a microphone. I don't care if it's a protest, a cocktail dinner or whatever. If Michael B. Jordan has a microphone, I'm listening anyway, but uh, he had some things to say. Yeah, he said, I'm proud to have an inclusion writer and all that good stuff, and I use my power to demand diversity But it's time the studios and agencies and all these buildings that we stand in front of because he's in the city of Los Angeles there. He says, I want you to do the same. You committed to a 50-50 gender parity in 2020. Where is the challenge to commit to black hiring, black content, led by black executives, black consultants? Are you policing our storytelling as well? Let us bring our darkness to the light. And, and uh, what a speech, my I God. Mean, God. That's said more eloquently and articulately than I could ever hope to deliver any kind of message. I don't know what more you could ask for. You have one of the hottest names, hottest young actors in Hollywood, an activist in Hollywood, who has been part of massive multi-billion dollar movies in his own right, speaking out on this issue and basically challenging, poking his finger in the chest of Hollywood executives and saying, open up your checkbooks. If you have money, Disney, to put down $70 billion in purchase of Fox, then why don't you use some of that to maybe start your own leap like initiative that Ava DuVernay has doing that we just talked about, you know, get do make it a point to get these stories heard. I don't know how you can't be in agreement with that sentiment. Yeah. If you want to put an end to the white savior narratives that have been winning Oscars and that have been, you know, kind of poisoning our, <laughs> at least you and I, our, our perspective of race relation films, because we've come down hard on a couple of them, mm-hmm. especially in recent years. But Mike, if you want to put an end to those narratives, then give black directors and writers <laughs> these projects yeah. instead of white guys. It makes no sense. And it never has. Uh, why white guys are developing movies on, on on civil rights. It makes no freaking sense. And God bless them for doing, you know, a portion of the work, but it's not, it's not, it shouldn't be coming out of our voices. That's yeah, not period. their story to tell. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's exactly right. It's not, and, and maybe this does some good. And I understand there's also a difficulty attached to this because 
what can big studios do? Well, they can't, I mean, uh, they can't say we're going to make sure that we hire at least 10% of an African American, right? You know, cause that's, you can't, that's a quota system and that's right. it, racist in and of itself. But yeah. it's not like they're hamstrung. It's not like it's impossible to figure this out. Hire more black writers, more people of color writers, give more money to projects helmed by women and people of color and the black community. I mean, this isn't rocket science no, to figure not. out how to, how to work with. And the talent is out there, for sure. Of course. Mike, as for Spike Lee, we mentioned him in the, uh, two episodes ago. He went on The Tonight Show this week with Jimmy Fallon. He made a new short film, Three Brothers, that we've re- referenced before. That short film, I believe it's like 90 seconds long, it was broadcast on Fallon's show in the middle of their talk with the title card reading, Will History Stop Repeating Itself? Uh, did you watch this, Michael? Yeah. yeah I, it was... So I made it a point not to watch any of the George Floyd videos. Uh, I had read, done my reading and my research. I knew about what happened, about what he was said, had said, but I, I made a point not to watch it because I had watched Eric Garner when it happened uh, some years back, and it's. It, I think it's exploitative. I understand it's educational, and I think it's also. It, I, I personally can't do it a lot. Uh, yeah, you get the anxiety from it. Exactly, and that said, I did watch this. And, I mean, it's powerful. I don't know how you can watch that and not feel something. And for me, that something was just outrage and just anger towards the whole situation. And towards this laissez-faire, not even disregard for life, but disregard for physical well-being of another human being. Well, I I would first of all, I would say you you probably should watch George Floyd, the full video, because there's, there's something to be said about... It, minute one happens and yeah. like minute four like there's a transformation and a realization that goes on and i'm not saying that i mean there's just like blind spots to the reality of the situation you can read a lot of stuff on it but I, what i think is working on the culture so much and the world is the fact that there's a nine minute video watching this entire nightmare play out <sighs> so i mean that, that that's spike is just showing some of the 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 moments uh, of, of the worst hell on earth uh, in this video. And he, you know, obviously it's, it's artistic, it's not artistic license, but he, he's editing it together. Well, he's uh, making to a mirror- point. I mean, yeah, yeah, to, yeah it's, to- it's, it's, it's a, it's a scene from a movie in 1988 that was repeated in yeah. real life countless times over Radio when it Rahim. wasn't caught on film, you know, happening in the streets, had the cops have been doing this types of thing for decades. It was caught on film with Eric Garner. And then it, the exact same situation was playing itself out now in 2020 again and that i mean i think that's one of the points that this film was making was that what do we have to do to break this cycle obviously what we've been doing thus far hasn't has fallen on deaf ears hasn't led to real change well spike lee did have some optimism and he's been you know he's been the historian in this whole thing mike Mm -hmm. like he has like you said he made a movie about this very subject in 1989 based on actual events based on you know the real history that has happened before him and history hasn't changed and he was saying that in our last episode when we quoted him before he was saying that in his uh in his press tours this past week but at with jimmy fallon he did have an optimistic quote here saying i'm very enthusiastic that people around the world were galvanized by the horrific murder of George Floyd, and and they are saying no, no, no. Uh, that people are their people are going to come out and vote is how we ended that discussion, and I, I think that is. You know, if there's, again, you know, we're trying to draw silver linings here. People are going to come out and vote. That is a huge silver lining, especially from our perspective. It's heartening that so many people in so many prominent positions keep seeing that and keep using that as kind of like the, the main takeaway from this. 
uh, that the younger generation especially uh, has kind of stood up. A younger white generation has stood up and taken to the streets alongside their brothers and sisters. And, and that's how change does occur. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it's I understand it's it's the black people's plight, but we all got to do this together, too. Otherwise, nothing's going to get done and nothing's going to change. So, uh, yeah, Obama said that. Spike Lee said that. And it, it it is plain to see if you watch any form of peaceful protest on any of the news stations when they're covering it, you, you're going to see people of all backgrounds. And it's a wide swath of humanity and people from those communities coming out and supporting this idea. And I think that's kind of led to these big organizations finally taking the temperature of the room and saying, oh, shit, we better kind of put our act together and say something. That's not to say every big corporation is waiting to make sure it's the quote unquote PR thing to do. But I I think there have been certainly some. Well, amen to all that. Uh, But it's, it's not happening fast enough. And it's not just about the moment and the protests. It's about the actions taken afterwards. And I think, you know, a lot of people are cautiously optimistic at this point. But again, you know, we're talking about major institutions having to read the room first. Which is just like the, <laughs> I mean, it just boggles my mind that that, that they would have to do that. God you know, forbid so. you upset the bottom dollar. Oh my God! So that, that there's still issues. There's not a consensus. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say this. this. Is not my words. There's not a consensus about this yet. Don't be fooled. No, well, absolutely not. And and I'll tell you what. No matter how many. If there, if there are police departments that do get defunded or do get rearranged, I mean, there's plenty of work to be done. There's, yes. oh, there's plenty of work to be done still. Well, Spike Lee does have the five bloods coming out this weekend on Friday. We plan to review it for you guys. Then uh, we're going to push it back slightly, perhaps, because we're waiting on the Academy's meeting uh, on Thursday. There's a great article from Ann Thompson on how the Oscars will move, and it's no longer a matter of if they'll move, but when. So read that article from Ann Thompson. Read all the stuff about Spike Lee and the promotions of the five bloods uh, for this weekend. But Michael, we got uh, we got several developments on when movie theaters and productions, film productions, are permitted to reopen. Reports from earlier in the week has have said that 90% of movie theaters plan to be open in time for Tenet. That's looking much more like a possibility now because on Monday, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, pushed up their movie theater reopening date to this Friday with restrictions in place, but they say they will be able to function at at least a 25% capacity and then there's varying timelines as to when those restrictions will be eased back. So this is good news. I mean, we have movie theaters that are opening up ahead of schedule. We have the, the whole their whole process where they can start to function. If they're going to function at 100%, they got to start out at 25% and then gauge how it's going, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, all these reopenings have been do that. There are phases to them. So, I mean, the, this is obvious. I'm just speaking the obvious here. But we, we got tenant that is set for July 17th. Obviously, if... The movie theaters weren't going to open until just before then, then you're probably dealing with a lot of issues that you weren't going to expect to have to deal with. Now you can maybe iron out those issues, you know, by opening a month in advance. We asked our followers, and I, I mean, the 
we only did it a couple hours ago, so it's kind of a small sample size. There's just under 200 people that have responded thus far. But So the question was, if your nearest theater abides by social distancing protocols, will you return to theaters in July? And I said this with the understanding that Tenant is going to hit its 7-17 debut date. Right. That's held pretty consistent that 45%, 45, between 45 and 46, have said, yes, I'm there. I'll be there in July. The other two options I put out were, no, I'll wait a month plus, or no, not until a vaccine is found. So, yeah, it's heartening that 45%, and again, it's a small sample size of 200 or so people, have responded that they'll be there, but that's still 55% of people who normally, I mean, this is film Twitter we're talking about, go to the movies fairly regularly, I would think, are saying, Mm -hmm. no, I'm going to hold off a little bit. Well, I wonder if they're thinking about, you know, Tenant coming out a month from now. So maybe that number's bigger, obviously, if you include two, uh, you know, of the options, you know, in your one, two, three, ABC. But I think that uh, I think that a big shiny new movie like Tenant is going to be hard to resist for a lot of people. So I think that the, their gut, my gut, is that I want to go see it. I mean, I, I know you and I were researching some drive-ins throughout the week, and Andrew from the Nomcast, who lives close to us, he says he's got options. I don't know where his options are. I was looking all over Google today. I've never been into a, a drive-in movie theater before, and it looks like Podunk City, where you got one screen. And they play a double feature, and they're only playing old movies. I mean, the three Connecticut theaters I looked up only had that. I can't imagine that they're going to deal with, you know, Christopher Nolan, you know, debut traffic when when that comes about. I mean, it's just not going to be feasible that they can host us. I mean, I'm looking to buy movie tickets a month out, you know, at this point. They're not even offering past a week. I'm so curious to see the financials from this thing when it hits. Because I think New York is still not going to be open. I don't think the New York theater is going to be open in time for Tenet, period. Well, the L.A. stuff got moved up fast. Once they realized, it's almost like, you know, you dip your toe in the water and then you kind of jump in. I mean, that's been happening around the country. So I wouldn't be surprised if if, if the reopening procedures everywhere gets accelerated a little bit. And we know it's it's not going to happen in San Francisco. Yeah. Unless they roll that back as well. We report. I don't know. I just wonder if Warner Brothers is willing to take a you know a marginal profit on this. They're not they're not willing they're they're not willing to hold back and basically risk the movie theater going business because you know we decided not to cover the AMC story because it's kind of the same same old same old. But basically to reiterate what we've covered in the past. AMC in particular, when they reopen, they need to do well. They don't have the liquidity to really survive past, right. uh, you know, past a few months after they reopen. So they're they're looking at some, you know, the 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 life and death of their business. Right. I think Warner Brothers has that in mind too, and I'm sure AMC is looking forward to that. But it just, what's the best case scenario for capacity when the when tenant hits? Like, okay, theaters are going to be operating at maybe fifty percent capacity that they'll allow in, and never mind abiding by these guidelines. Deadline had a, had a list of some of the. Uh, suggested, I guess, recommendations that the California Department of Public Health put forward, so they're not legally required, but uh, some of these were, at least for the first rollout, uh, starting this Friday when these theaters in California are supposed to open, limiting the number of attendees in the theater to 25% or 100 people, whichever is fewer, implementing a reservation system so that moviegoers arrive at staggered times, face mask for patrons, ushers should assist with social distancing and direction, consider using disposable or washable seat covers, reconfigure parking lots to limit congregation points and 
ensure mm-hmm. proper spacing. I read through the entire pamphlet that the uh, California Department of Public Health put forward. It calls for screening guests upon arrival, face coverings and disposable gloves, as well as frequent hand washing for employees, uh, thorough cleaning and disinfecting of lobbies and other high traffic areas, hand sanitizer dispensers throughout the location. I'm just thinking about like if these were in place... If you wanted to follow them to a T for my local Podunk Theater, it would cost more for them to open right now to abide by these rules with the limited number of people they would allow in to get tickets that they'd be able to make back. I made a really bad joke the last time you brought up your Podunk Theater, but like, who's really going to your theater? I mean, again, that that place is a front for a mo- for the mafia. <laughs> they they get no traffic. They just get none. <laughs> like, there's at best 20 I, people I, I at mean, a time in there. I'm just making a point that I don't think I, some of these theaters are going to have trouble if these are the, the prereqs they have to abide by. Right. I mean, a, a, a reservation system, not only for seating, but also a call ahead system, essentially, for all your food and drink. It's just weird. Well, I'll be honest with you. If I actually, you know, brave the the movie theater going experience at this time with all these restrictions in place, I'm not ordering any food. I'm just not going to risk it. I'll just deal with food so afterwards. That's, yeah, that's afterwards. more money that the theater would lose out on then. So Are they going to bother out? selling popcorn? You know, I, I, look, I I'm willing to be wrong about this. I think. Obviously, WB has information that they feel comfortable opening, and like you said, they're probably just looking to make some money off of this, so I would think they had done their homework and they know what they're getting into at this point, as we're like a month away from that July 17th date now, and I think it's it might be too late for them to change anything at this point, so I, I, I guess everything will be fine, and I'm sure there's a lot more people out there that are willing to sacrifice and go forward and go into theaters. I'm just still I'm curious to see this all play out. They got a few things working for them. It doesn't look like there's going to be any national sports by July, right? True. That's all happening later July, if not August, for, for the NBA and MLB still doesn't have their crap together. Obviously, you got MMA, but that's just like those are event, you know, events every mm-hmm. other weekend kind of deal. There's not a lot of other games in town, a lot of other right. uh, other that's shows true. in town. So tenant might be a big to-do for people. And if it's all got to be done online and if it's we're kind of herded in and out carefully, then it might be an event, you know, for the entire country to get the hell out of the house at that point because I know a lot of people are still working from home. I know a lot of people have returned to the offices, but it's it might be a family night out that's actually feasible. What's going to offset some of the, you know, the problems of of capacity is the fact that they're going to have an entire movie theater dedicated essentially to tenant. You know, you might have one theater playing unhinged, but the other (laughs) 20 theaters in my local AMC, it's going to be playing tenant and they're just going to space out all the showtimes. Right. So there is a blueprint in place, at least for them to make their money back. It just might have to be over a less capacity per screen or per showing type deal. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you're, you're putting an awful lot of faith in an awful lot of high schoolers who have been out oh, of God. work for a lot of months and who have been <laughs> probably not doing all that much productive stuff that are going to have to come back into work and going to have to work harder than they normally have while working at the movie theaters. Uh, <laughs> we got to do more research on the drive-ins. <laughs> Even if it, would you? All right, here's the question. Yeah. Would you drive to New York if they had a drive-in playing 10 in an opening night? No, I, w- I would physically, with my ailments, I wouldn't be able to do that in a car for that long. Drive oh to there, sit through an 18-hour Christopher Nolan movie that fucks with my head, and then drive back. I wouldn't. I just couldn't do it. And maybe if I can I, lay on the I, grass I outside. Like, uh, 
Like, if I had to drive, like, to, we're on the border, you know, relative border. We're only an hour away from New York, so I, I probably would. But it would be, I don't know, you'd have to inter- interview me about having seen the movie. That would be awkward. I don't I'm, know what I what we do. I'm just gonna. We'll just. I'll, you have seen the movie, and I'll just guess what the what the plot is, and we'll just have a full <laughs> recording with me guessing things until eventually I get it right. And however and, long that takes, that's the episode, even if it's three days. I just say cold and warm <laughs> yeah, right, and cold. Exactly, exactly. Terrible. We'll do that. <laughs> Hopefully, that's not the episode, folks. My God. Anyway, guys, we got some film festival news here. The Cannes Film Festival. They made their selections last week. A uh, couple things leading into it. There will be no awards this year uh, for these selections. There's no Palme d'Or, but the films picked for the Cannes 2020 lineup. Uh, they will compete for the Golden Shell at the San Sebastian Film Festival in Spain, and and that festival will be showcasing a lot of these movies. We need to make a movie so we can win the Golden Shell one of these days. (laughs) Some overall statistics about Cannes. Cannes selected 56 films, 16 of which were from female directors. That equates to 28.5% of the films. That compares to 14 titles, or 23.7%, which were from female-helmed last year. A total of 532 female directors submitted their film to the official selections, 25.7% of the total, compared to 575 female directors, which registered in 2019. So they released this, and they're basically saying we got more submissions uh, in, in last year, we got less submissions this year, obviously, and we picked more films by female filmmakers, but we only picked two more films by female filmmakers, and it still only makes up a, a very small portion. And wasn't I mean, it can last year that was stomping their feet saying, we don't care about gender diversity of film, we just want the best films anyway? Yeah, it, no, that was Venice, but well, that was Venice. Uh, okay. it's still, you know, th- this... This old stubborn guard of the uh, European Film Festival circuit, you know, it's like they can't help putting their foot in their mouths. Like, this is just silly. Like, unless you got 50%, unless you got gender parity, why are you bragging about these statistics? And why is it on the top of your, you know, tip of your tongue when, when, when you when you talk to uh, the Hollywood Reporter, when you, you know, I mean, it's like they're bragging about this tiny improvement to what's this this horrible inequality in the industry at large but also in their festival still accurate (laughs) yeah i i mean you're right on and it's like everything else we talk about it needs changing but yes well, we had some big-name films from some big-name directors that we expected to be selected, mm-hmm. and they were selected. We have Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch that is still you know, slated for this fall. We have Pixar's Soul from co-directors Pete Docter and Kemp Powers. What a name. Kate, yeah, Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan's Ammonite. Uh, is going to debut at Cannes from director Francis Lee and the uh, sequel to Train to Busan Peninsula from Yon Sang-ho. That is going to debut there as well. Now, those were the expected movies. In my mind, we had two that were just totally unexpected. At least I heard nothing about them. And they're both from the same director, Steve McQueen. He's been very busy since Widows, Mike, premiering uh, in 2018. He has two films debuting at Cannes, Lover's Rock and Mangrove. We know nothing about them, but that, I mean, that guy's, you know, Oscar-winning, Oscar-nominated filmmaker. Yeah, one of the more 
polarizing films of 2018 too was widows we went in we thought we were equally disappointed or let down by it but it still definitely has its fans that heralded it as a it should have been a bigger contender than it was i think you're living in your own head there too much because i think on one poll there was you and i and maybe three other people and then most of the other poll there was everybody else who liked it (laughs) maybe they didn't love it uh the lesson is always there michael I'm dumb. There have been some big names that have opted to push out of 2020 entirely. Annette from Leo's Carex, and that stars Adam Driver and Marianne Cotillard. Bergman Island, starring Vicky Crepes and Mia Wasikowska, and another from director of Synonyms and the Kindergarten Teacher, Nadav Lapide. A head's knee, they have all opted to be part of Can 2021. So I guess this was an option for, for, for the festival, for, for all the films. Like, you know, be a part of this year's festival, or if you're selected, be a part of next year's festival. It's a bit disheartening that some of these, you know, smaller films bought from bigger names, you know, decided that, all right, we're definitely punting to the next year. I mean, I, I don't know. We, we talked about kind of three big name Oscar hopefuls, uh, you know, a few minutes ago with the French Dispatch, Soul, and Ammonite. Well, you got three more here that were kind of on everybody's radar mm-hmm. uh, for, for, for Oscars. And Cannes doesn't always have, you know, 20 movies every year. They usually have six or seven. Well, three chose to stay in, three chose to move out. We got some other possibilities with Steve McQueen now as a pleasant surprise. But uh, it's def- it definitely seems half and half, which, you know, again, supports our theory that this film year might be very diluted if they don't shift this calendar. Yeah, all we can do, really, as far as what the film festival is going to do and how it'll play into the Oscars is guess until it happens. I mean, until we right. see the nominations and see what kind of gets momentum and from where, we won't, we're won't. we really in an unprecedented territory here. We don't know what this is going to do for the Oscars picture going forward other than to say the obvious, which is, yeah, it seems like those that opt out, it's going to be more of a diluted year and it might be more star-heavy as far as Academy Awards go. Could be. I, I did want to, you know, highlight a few more of the can selections. Hidden gems, perhaps we'll see. But from names that I did recognize, ADN is uh, a film from actress turned director Mai Wen. She was uh, an actress from High Tension, a great French horror film. There, so you know, she's she's uh, taken to the director's chair, and a lot of people are into that movie. It was listed pretty high up on the Hollywood Reporter's list. There, we have Summer of '85 that comes from BAFTA-nominated filmmaker Francois. Ozone. We have former Palme d'Or nominee Naomi Kawase. Uh, she has a new film called True Mothers. And last but not least, and we want to review the trailer here, from the director of The Hunt, and, and it's not The Hunt for Blumhouse, <laughs> The Other Hunt, The Hunt for that pedophile Mads Mikkelsen uh, in 2012 that was nominated for the Oscar. Thomas Vinterberg is making a movie about alcoholism called Another Round. Mike, this premise and this trailer was wacky. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, so the premise, as it reads on IMDb, four friends, all high school teachers, test the theory that they will improve their lives by maintaining a constant level of alcohol in their blood. This trailer, uh, complete with French Paul Walter Hauser, as I mentioned, <laughs> it, it's... I remember when Doug Benson uh, did his his documentary about, like, being high every day and he wanted to be high for 30 days in a row and basically just see what life changes he had see if he lost weight how his mental state changed etc cetera, etc cetera. and i remember there was an interview i don't remember if it was in the movie itself or afterwards uh when he was promoting the movie they said basically what are your thoughts on 
what you did and, and do you have any takeaways? And, and Doug Benson's response was, well, considering that uh, the goal of this was to just smoke weed for 30 days in a row and get as high as I possibly can, I really thought I would be more sick of weed by now than I am. <laughs> so oh, that's the first thing that came to mind seeing this is we just see Mads Mikkelsen, French Paul Walter Hauser and friends just going around getting hammered at like their kids' soccer games and their family dinners and waking up in the street, etc. All right. No offense to anybody who smokes weed out there. I I don't smoke weed myself. So I've heard that weed is not necessarily addictive. But, Mike, these guys for teachers are these characters in this story. They're really freaking dumb, right? (laughs) I mean, have they never read anything about alcoholism, about addiction, anything? I mean, are are they just alcoholics enabling one another with this internet research that's just really confirmation bias laced with... you know, just deep-rooted addiction <laughs> and the need to party in midlife crisis. What are they doing? Like, and I don't get the tone. Yeah, it's of this a very either. bizarre tone. It's a very bizarre tone. Is it trying to be funny? I mean, the last shot of the trailer ends with a bunch of junks trying to shop for groceries, <laughs> and they're barely able to function. Like, are we supposed to laugh at that after they're I doing am. well? I am laughing at it currently. As like, teachers? I guess we are. We're bad people? Are, are we not bad people? But this is so such an obvious story. Like, you shouldn't need a morality tale about this, because the moralizing is just, you know, fucking Captain Obvious stuff. It makes no sense. Imagine if the message is just alcohol does improve everything, like every joke you've ever been told <laughs> that's that's the morality play in the center of this conflict i am very curious now and i guess i'll have to watch thomas vinterberg's uh, previous films <laughs> because of this movie coming out about guys trying to live life buzzed it'll uh, only if only it'll get people talking i guess it's a certainly unique subject matter for a film uh, never mind an oscars film never mind a film with mads mickelson at the center of it uh all right That is your rather uh, expedited Oscar race checkpoint, and we say that with kind of an asterisk attached to it, because like we said at the top and in the middle of the show, we do expect more to come from the Academy in the coming days, but just because of the way the schedule shook out for us this week, we wanted to give you guys this news to feast on now, so obviously, as always, we want to hear your thoughts about not only uh, the continued response by Hollywood to the Black Lives Matter movement, but also theaters being reopened and what you think of the California guidelines as far as what it'll mean for a tenant and what tenant can do to make its money back and have you ever tried to live life buzz for multiple di- don't do that that's don't, a joke don't don't, that's don't, a, don't even I'm try joking about that but we do want to hear from you your thoughts comments questions concerns about all of that and anything else we cover here in the mmo empire you can leave us those we are mike mike and oscar on facebook and instagram at mm and oscar on twitter we are mike mike and oscar at gmail.com dot com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts including an especially apple podcast if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review that would take seconds of your day and make our entire day. That would be very, very cool of you. Michael, we kind of talked a little bit about what's coming next, but uh, what's going on? What do you want to talk about here, bud? Well, I do have a quick question for you before we go out. Have you ever drank and then podcasted with me? Has that ever happened before? Because... It happened once with me because we like had a you know impromptu recording session, but uh, you know, and I was kind of buzzed. And I don't remember what episode that was. I was going to say, how'd it go? Did you? Were you good? I don't remember. <laughs> I, I but didn't you remember. Called, 
I was at the bar. <laughs> you called me. He's like, oh, breaking news. Fuck, we got to do something. I'm like, sure. <laughs> I guess you didn't notice. No, but no, I, I, it didn't. No, it wasn't like that. But, it, you know, I had one or two or five. I don't remember. But it, we, we ended up recording and it didn't matter. I, I know a lot of people out there, like, they, they drink and they podcast. That's what they do. I, I envy those people. Uh, no, yeah, I, me too. Yeah, I can't. I, I don't I don't no. drink in general anymore just because I, you know, I have a litany of issues that go on. So I, I can't do that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, w- I would. <laughs> it's where I land on it. We got that breaking news episode. Hopefully, perhaps, if, if news does drop, we got the five bloods for this weekend. We'll get that out as soon as we can. And then we're going to attack the king of Staten Island for the beginning of next week. So a lot going on. MMOW is on the schedule for next week. Uh, then we'll figure it out from there. But a, a lot going on here in terms of uh, words of wisdom, though. Uh, be better, do better. I'll bring back that yeah. hashtag. It's something that we were promoting last week. And uh, it goes for all of us. Uh, and the mics included so let's all let's all tr- work to uh, get more educated and uh, and do better and be better if uh, i have dane bramage i reversed it <laughs> well at least you waited till the last two words to reveal that but yes uh a very why sound... isn't it do better be better it's be better first and then do better i mean it's it could be whatever you want it to be you know okay there's some ins- I need a, inspiring I need a drink. words to end on. <laughs> I need a drink. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya.